Welcome to episode 33 of All the Small Takes. Coming to you on a Wednesday night, a middle of the week episode. And I think it's safe to say, John and Cooper, that sports are officially terrible for all of us once again. We had a brief period where things looked up, and then in the past week, and thank goodness we waited till the middle of the week too, I guess, to record. We would have been much happier earlier in the week. Uh, things have fallen fallen so far. So, John and Cooper, how are you guys holding up? Yeah, this has been terrible. Um, well, actually, not terrible. I don't really care about the Red Sox losing, Jeff. Sorry, not sorry. Um, I do care about the Yankees winning, which is what they're doing right now. Yep, that's, that's another part of it. It's horrible. And U.S. soccer has disappointed us yet again. Actually, for the, I think the first time in my life, U.S. soccer, my, yeah, 94 to now, this is probably the most disappointed I've been in U.S. soccer. I don't think I've really ever been super disappointed, but now, now I am. I, yeah, so you guys reminded me once again that the, um, the baseball playoffs are happening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot about those. As we so I'm not, I'm not too disappointed about them. Uh, U.S. soccer thing kind of sucks, but this is what sports do, you know? It's kind of always just perpetually breaking your heart. I thought that's what being a sports fan was about. First of all, I think you're in denial. <laughs> I think you haven't, you've, you haven't reached the, the phase where you reality sets in that next year the United States will not be participating in the you World Cup for the first time. better to have loved and lost than not to have loved at all, Jeff. For the first time since 1986, right? Yeah, in our lifetimes. In our lifetimes, yes. Um, the Yankees are currently winning 3 nothing over the Indians in Game 5. The Red Sox, as John mentioned, were eliminated. Uh, Notre Dame football has a bye this week. So, I mean, we don't even have them to... Can't lose on a bye, Jeff. Can't lose hey, on a bye. You're right. That's, spin, that's a great spin zone, actually. So, let's ride that optimism if we can. Hey, the, the Bengals won. Yeah, Jeff, you should say thank you. We defeated the Buffalo Bills, which, you know, with the leaders in your division... In the NFL, so well, it's a tie between the Bills and the Jets. Not true. So yeah, you're welcome, is. Jeff. It's true. On behalf of Cincinnati, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah, the the Bengals have suddenly made themselves contenders in the worst division in football. Congratulations. Thank Cheers. you. Uh, all right, before we get into all of this and more, you can find all the small takes on social media at Small Takes on Twitter. Instagram, small underscore takes, Facebook, all the small takes in Gmail, all the small takes at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, all the small takes, and leave a review. Also, check out our website, smalltakes.com. We have a baseball podcast up there that's going to be active here for the next few weeks throughout the remainder of the baseball playoffs. We also have a soccer podcast that has its first ever episode out there now. You can go check them both out, smalltakes.com. So, we should probably start with the U.S. soccer the U.S. men's national team, who lost last night to Trinidad, something called Trinidad and Tobago. Tobago. Um, Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobagan. Um, and also had the confluence of two other games, two other outcomes working against them, right? It was uh, Honduras and Panama, both won. Yeah, against teams that were better than them. Yeah. I think the odds so, were it was, like, it was a 40-1. to Odds that the U.S. men's national team did not qualify for the World Cup. But guess what happened? The U.S. men's national team did not qualify for the 2018 World Cup in Russia. So 
John, I know you you were the one that uh, indicated that you had some opinions about this. You had some thoughts about where U.S. soccer goes from here. So we'll start with you, and then Cooper, I'm sure, will have thoughts to share as well. So where does this leave U.S. soccer? You mentioned it was the, the biggest disappointment you've experienced, but what do you think they need to do? What, what's the go forward? Um, the easy thing to do to go forward is to keep doing what we've been doing do going forward is to burn everything to the ground. Third easiest thing to do going forward is to say, hey, we have a lot of really experienced, 17, we have a really lot of amazing 17, 18, and 19-year-olds. Kick out every single we have now playing and keep doing everything else the same. And I think what we've seen is that the MLS is chronically underserving United States national team, partially because of its bizarro American sports model where it decides to maximize profits at the expense of the game without building any infrastructure for the game or any infrastructure for development of players because it wants to just mimic and imitate every single North America, every single other North American sports league, borrow random draft instead of actually developing homegrown talent and having teams buy into the league and having leagues own part of the teams instead of having leagues, the teams move around freely and actually encourage competition. And it's, it's just bizarre and it's idiotic and it's dumb. And we have 315 million people in this country. Iceland qualified. Iceland is the size of Corpus Christi, which was underwater months ago. You know? And it's like... If, 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 if U.S. soccer zeroed in on one city and tried to develop talent out of that one city, we would be in a better position than we are now, which is they're not really doing anything um, useful. And the MLS is doing even less useful. And we're just all sitting around in a circle playing duck, duck, gray duck and trying to figure out what the heck is going on and pretending everything is fine. And meanwhile, we're wasting the greatest U.S. soccer player we've ever had because he's not playing any meaningful games for the U.S., he's going to go out and be an amazing European player. The Mexicans are going to snipe every single player we have that has Mexican descent, which is going to just rip people out of the U.S. soccer cabinet and reinforce our greatest rival again. And it's just like, who the heck is Sunil Gulati? Why are we having this East Coast, West Coast approach to developing this team? Why don't we have someone who actually cares about building U.S. soccer at the ground roots, who can go into the MLS and say, forget you guys. You guys are not in control anymore. We are going to dictate how things work because we are American soccer. We are the run ones who run U.S. soccer. You're going to start doing these things. You're going to start playing by these rules. We're going to start pumping some of this $100 million we have through ad rights and through FIFA paying us off for being part of their corrupt cartel for generating massive profits while ripping out out the heart of Brazil and watching them sink into oblivion and you know fiscal devastation, we're, we're going to actually plow that into developing players instead of just paying bizarro salaries to washed up coaches. I mean, it's it, it's idiotic. Like, how do we not have a national training center? Like, France France has been in an economic France has not left the economic depression they entered in two thousand seven. We have at least climbed out, of it. and somehow in that time they've passed us open stage. All right. I mean, all right. All right. Thanks, Taylor Tolman. Uh, that's all we got for our show. See you guys next week. <laughs> that was that was this week's episode of All the Small Takes, presented by Un Unabided Fury. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cooper. <laughs>
can you bring <laughs> can you you want to synthesize what our good friend john i john you come from a good place and i think i think you make some good points i think cooper what do you have to uh what do you have to add okay i'm toying between correcting things that john said and uh giving my own opinion um okay first things first i'm gonna go with the correcting john route uh we do have a training facility it's in kansas city uh Shout number out. two most of the players that played in last night's game were not under the age of like 26. Actually, by the time the next World Cup goes around, the majority of the last night's roster will be over the age of 34, uh, which is very problematic for the U.S. men's national team. We somehow have not built up uh, any experience within our youth players. Uh, okay, now getting to my own point, I want heads. I think uh, pretty much everyone who was involved really should be fired. Um, I, this is the most embarrassing moment in U.S. soccer history. This is definitely the lowest point in U.S. soccer history. There is no way in which you are the most talented, most well-funded uh, program in the region that you uh, come in fifth place in the hexagonal World Cup qualifying, uh, let alone we barely even made it out of the semi uh, in World Cup qualifying, barely even got to this stage because we had to you know, win a must-win game in Columbus, Ohio last uh, spring. Uh, or two springs ago. Anyways, I think everything is going wrong. Bruce Arena should be fired. His decision to keep Omar Gonzalez on the field instead of Jeff Cameron was just horrible. Uh, Sunil Galati is clearly messed up. Uh, there's really no excuses here for the U.S. men's national team, and there needs to be some level of accountability. I'm going to weigh in. Can I weigh in real quickly, John, before you respond? Yeah, sure. Wait, all right. That wasn't John. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty fired up about it, just like John is. But uh, no, that was actually our good friend Taylor Twelman, <laughs> friend of the program. Okay, yeah, yeah, patching him in live for a brief a brief dispatch on the U.S. soccer team. Uh, John Cooper, we have all these young players that aren't getting to play because we're keeping these old. We're keeping Omar Gonzalez on the field, and mm -hmm. he has no business being on the field. No. We have a guy who's starting for Werder Bremen, defenders who are in the farm system in the Premier League and who are playing in lower tier, you know, English squads, but are still, they still have to be better than Omar Gonzalez. Um, and I get that we have a national training center in Kansas City, but it could always be better. And like, seriously, how are we not, <laughs> like, how is right. this it not a palace? Right? Like, should we put Sam Hinkie in charge of the facility, in charge of the U.S. Yeah, well, I mean, Wait a second. Point, yes. Now the wheels are turning. Yes. <laughs> Sam Hinkie for the next two years, and then we bring in uh, Theo Epstein to deal with the assets. I love it. I love yeah. it. But like, I mean, seriously, I, how is this not like a palace? How are we not the Texas of world soccer? We kind Absurd, of are. Absurd, disgusting <laughs> facility. Because no, we don't have the facilities. <laughs> no, no, Texas is actually a very apt analogy for U.S. soccer in this stage. Like, absurd amount of resources compared to its peers and, like, a revolving door of coaches and a revolving door of expectations or, or a, a constant, like, dan of expectations and failing to meet those. Mm -hmm. Constantly thinking they're better than they actually are. You actually you accidentally stumbled into maybe the most perfect analogy for U.S. soccer. Everyone's yeah, no, I like that one a lot. I mean, I've been pretty I real to know that our locker room is the best ever, and it's not. The fact is, the locker room's not the best ever, and we could at least do that right. Like, we at least have the money to make the locker room the best ever if we, we can't make the players and the coaches. Like, 
us of the U.S. men's national team because they're terrible, but they get all these nice things. Yeah, one last point, if I could. Um, I think I've been saying this for a while, that I don't think U.S. soccer is as good as a lot of people think they are. I think it's shown itself since the last World Cup. I think people who think – who are, eyes are just opened by this loss to Trinidad and Tobago, who I think rank somewhere in, like, the 90s uh, in terms of FIFA ranking. You know, this isn't – this wasn't an accident. Their major foundational issues in U.S. soccer yeah. have been for a while. Well, this was a – this was an – this was the only – a possible outcome because the team had scuffled so badly early on in qualifying and forced to fire Jurgen Klinsmann, bring in a guy who they, they fired however many years ago, a decade ago. Um, it, it's a systemic thing. Like you can't pin it on one game, one decision to start Omar Gonzalez or whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. So Trinidad Vego is ranked 99th in the world. Um, which means they have zero business being anywhere near a World Cup berth. Well, they're not. We they finished six. They finished last in World Cup. No. We were one spot above. Them. Saying is what I'm saying is they have zero business being near a World Cup berth. So a team that once won should just put a, put them away. Mm-hmm. This is like Notre Dame last season, where they were there. Were, there were systemic issues in Notre Dame's football program, where we weren't running the ball, and we had all these terrible coaches, and the strength and conditioning was so bad that every time we got on the field, one of our players died practically. We need whoever we need Suno Galati to go into the offseason and to lose 20 pounds doing hot yoga and to fire everyone and to hire new people to get rid of all of his friends and then get Josh Adams on US soccer and then do bodies by Bayless. Yeah, yeah, but I think uh, you, missed, you missed the Josh Adams part, which is, I think, actually key to uh, yeah. Soccer, so. Hey, hey! They always the argument is always like, what if we took the best like professional basketball players and football players and made them soccer? Like maybe this is chance lebron what you doing carmelo you know yeah hoodie hoodie mellow on a soccer pitch hoodie mellow jay cutler i mean if the dolphins don't want him sign me up (laughs) all right uh that is probably enough on uh morning the u.s soccer team let's move into our weekly college football segments and we're gonna do an abbreviated and uh revised college football segment this week we usually do our pick six uh, but this week's college football slate was noticeably lacking in terms of good games, compelling matchups. So instead, we're going to do what we're calling a cherry pick six. We each picked two things that will happen in the next week between now and the time we record the next podcast. And we're all going to pick two things that we chose. Uh, let's quickly run through our performance to date, though. Um, John was so kind as to compile this before we got started. So you can take it for what it's worth. It has not been verified. These numbers, no these figures. Jeff, you were perfectly fine <laughs> with the results. Let me say. Yeah, it's, it's, it, these are alleged. I, I feel like protesting this whole pick six. Maybe I won't make any picks this week. No, we, we may, we're going to make you pick or you'll be fired from the podcast. Ooh. Um, all right, uh, John is 15-7-1, allegedly, in our uh, pick six to date. I am 11-11-1. I'm just living a very painfully mediocre life. Uh, Cooper is 8-14-1, allegedly. Allegedly. So there's still plenty of time to turn it around. We've got a whole second half of the college football season to look forward to. Lots of great second half Big Ten games I know that you're excited about. We'll get to those. But, John, why don't we start with you and your two 
items that you would like us to pick for the coming week? Did you say my name? I sure did. <laughs> okay, cut out. <laughs> um, all right, well, today uh, Mark Emmert announced that they are uh, building a ba college basketball commission um, to investigate the cesspool that is college basketball. Um, and one such member of the commission that was announced was Notre Dame's own Father John I. Jenkins. So by the end of the week, this Father Jenkins clean up college basketball. Um, for our non-Notre Dame listeners, of which there are like maybe three, that's probably too high. Um, can you explain Father Jenkins' role at Notre Dame? Of course. Father Jenkins is either the 15th, the 16th, or the 17th president of the University of Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> Depending on what? Like, it's like... <laughs> No, I just don't know which like number those, he is. Those college basketball uh, titles from like the twenties when it was like the newspapers voted. <laughs> so, or like football when Alabama has like thirteen and a half championships. I don't know. Yeah, actually, fun fact: they don't really have thirteen national championships. Um, Why did you say that, Jeff? I'm sorry, I triggered John. Uh, yeah, you did. All right, all right. Before we get sidetracked, so we're picking whether Father Jenkins, Father Dankins, uh, cleans up college basketball in a week. Yeah, in a week. Well, in three days, I guess, is what he's got to work with. Do you think he does? Uh, no, but I do like the signal that everyone, that no one believes that Notre Dame has been cheating in college basketball, <laughs> given the state well, of the program. Yeah, the on-court performance doesn't necessarily indicate that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, no, especially if it's not tied to Notre Dame's endowment. Mm. Yeah, he does does tend to get a little sidetracked in that endowment mm -hmm. and then the endowment. Rap so if there were in, if there were endowment incentives, I think then maybe. Uh, but since I don't know those, uh, he's probably not going to get the job done. Um, I'm going to go no as well. But as a side bet, I think it's fair to I, I might say yes that there's a New York Times piece that runs on Father Jenkins cleaning up college basketball, in like in like the Sunday edition. <laughs> I, I think that's entirely possible. A little, a little editorial in the Wall Street Journal, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, what's your second one, John? Um, my second one is Butch Jones is fired by the end of the week. Butch Jones, for the people that got confused the last time we tried to talk about Butch Jones, is the head coach of Tennessee, not the former head coach of North Carolina and or maybe Cincinnati. Um, or it, was he the former head coach? Of, I don't know. Yeah, he was the former head coach. Of, okay, so yeah, not yeah. the former head coach of UNC was yeah. the former head coach at Cincinnati, is the current head coach, soon to be former head coach at Tennessee. Um, is he fired by the end of the week? A lot of people seem to think that losing to South Carolina at home is just unforgivable for a Tennessee coach and that you'd be fired. I really think getting shut out at home is kind of unforgivable. And if he survived that, it's because he's got an $8 million paycheck if uh, Tennessee lets him walk. So uh, I don't think that they're willing to pay that today or tomorrow or Friday or Saturday. I think it... They'll wait at least until January first. Uh, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll we'll mix up the order. Uh, I think he's not fired. The, there have been many straws on this camel's back at Tennessee, and losing to South Carolina is not one of them. I think his time is definitely limited, but it's not going to end this week, even if they do lose. Cooper, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think he's fired. I think eight million dollars makes a lot of things on you know forgivable that should be unforgivable. That's a very good point. Yeah. Cooper, we'll go to you now. Your Okay, so picks. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, my first one. Uh, 
it's about whether or not Bruce Arena or Sunil Galati are fired uh, by the time we air our next podcast. I'm going to go. Quick with, question. Yep. Who is Sunil Galati and is he a delicious dessert? I don't actually know what he does. Yeah. No, he is the head of uh, U.S. soccer. Um, basically makes all the decisions that relate to the U.S. men's national team, U.S. women's national team, um, and the USSF, which is not the USSR. Uh, Important. Thank you. I was actually about to say that. <laughs> so I don't think uh, so tough. I'm going to count resigning as uh, being fired because, let's face it, Bruce Arena resigns. That's essentially like being fired. I don't think it's going to happen. I want it to happen so badly, but I just don't think U.S. soccer has the kahunas to actually do anything meaningful. Okay, um, kahunas are like an island thing. I think you mean cojones. No, yeah, I do, but I'm trying to keep it clean, John. They do not have the kahunas or the cojones or the cajon, the the fantastic percussion instrument that one member of this podcast plays. Yeah, so um, I don't think Suno Galati gets Is fired. A it's not a dish rag. It's like a lens cleaner. You would um, you would have a lens cleaner with a dome on it. I know it's great, isn't it? I like looking at it more than my face, personally. So <laughs> just holds it up in front of his glasses all the time. Yeah, yeah. For for our listeners who are not viewers of this podcast, John was holding up a a, a, a lens cleaner with the Notre Dame Golden Dome on it throughout the entire like last minute. So that's where we're at on this Wednesday. <laughs> like, I don't I don't care who gets fired and who doesn't get fired with U.S. men's soccer because I don't think it's going to change anything. I'm in a really dark place right now, and that's why I'm holding up lens cleaners to the screen. <laughs> but I don't think they're going to fire anyone this week. I think they make too much money to fire people this week. I think they're going to wait and take stock and fire someone at the beginning of next week, or maybe someone will take over at the beginning of next week, or someone will resign then. I don't think it's going to be Mr. Delicious Dessert Suno Galati, though, because I think he brings in too much dinero and uh, money, money, dollar bills for the soccer program to get the axe. Probably Bruce Arena then. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Bruce Arena is no longer involved with American soccer by this time we record this next podcast because kind of counter to my rationale for uh, Butch Jones, what's the point in waiting with Bruce Arena at this point? You know he's not the guy that I feel like they've always known. He wasn't the guy that is going to lead U.S. soccer to like the next – to have them make the help them make the leap. So I think – Either they kind of make that decision for him or he comes to that conclusion himself. So I say he is gone by the time we record the next podcast. Let's do, Cooper, your second one. Yeah, really quickly. Adrian Peterson was traded to the Arizona Cardinals. They play some team from Florida this week. He, the most times he was, you know, most touches he ever got in a game with the Saints was nine. Um, does he rush uh, 10 times in the game against the Bucks? I think? Huh. Uh, I'm going with no. He does not get ten rushes against the Bucks. I'll go next. I think he does because if you're the Cardinals at this point in the season, like, aren't you just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks? You've got you lost David Johnson early in the season. You've got a quarterback who's on the tail end of what's been an unremarkable career. You've got an aging wide receivering wide receiver star. Like, why not give Adrian Peterson the ball a bunch of times? See what happens. I say yes. Over. John, what do you about you? Um, I don't care, uh, but yeah, I also I also don't think 
I don't think he's going to get that many uh, touches. I think the Cardinals could legitimately beat the Buccaneers, and I think giving Adrian Peterson the ball 10 times is not a formula for winning. The Saints never gave him the ball 10 times, and I think they're 2-3 and three or 3-2 three and two right now, which is better than we thought they were going to be. So I don't – Adrian Peterson doesn't factor into my game plan. All right. I'll run through mine very quickly because we want to do uh, a couple other segments. We have a caller waiting on the line that we want to get to. Uh, Cubs-Nats forced uh, – the Nats forced a game five winning tonight. So that'll be in Washington Thursday night. Who do we think wins that game and advances to face the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series? I'll start. I think it's the Nats. Uh, I think at home, uh, I don't know what the pitching looks like, but I assume Max Scherzer is available in some form, whether it's starting out of the pen. And he, for my money, is the National League's young war winner. So, um, He's dominant, and I think he has his moment, and I think the Nats finally get that monkey off their back. Yeah, right, I don't know much about baseball, but I know you changed your pick from the first time we did this. Um, so I'm going to take the Nats as well. I must have convinced you, so I'm going to stick with my pick. There's a little peek behind the curtain. We This is the second. This is take two of the cherry pick six. Yeah, and as we approach the 12-minute mark for this segment, we're going to try to keep it down to 10. I'm going to keep this short. I picked the Nats the first time. I feel like you guys are trying to pressure me into picking the Cubs. I don't know if I want to go with that or not. Um, I'll take the Cubs. It worked, Cooper. It yeah. worked. <laughs> All right, so that was our uh, that was our modified pick six. We'll call it the cherry pick six for this down week of college football. Even though it was five. But let's keep going. Oh, shoot. I got to give one more, don't I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we're <laughs> Uh, we're getting up to very quick 13 minutes come on let's go quick i know i know it's already taking longer but okay so i'm so i'm playing nine holes of golf this weekend at a bachelor party in kansas city uh how what is my nine hole score 53 jeff john uh 60 uh 61 that's so (laughs) bogus I hate this. this one. This one. This probably is why I'm losing. We should have. We should have set an over under for that one. <laughs> but the points are made up, and the rules don't matter. All right. So that was our abbreviated pick six. Uh, we'll call it the cherry pick six for the week. Check back in next week to see how uh, we did. Specifically, my golf game on Saturday. Would appreciate your thoughts and prayers. This week, since it was a slow week, a down week in college football, or we have one, we have a down week coming up, I should say. We decided to do a temporary, uh, temporary suspension of the Heisman hype train and college football playoff survey. So we did not get an email survey from John. He neglected his duties, but that's okay because probably needed a break anyway. And we're gonna go right to the phones. We've got a caller on the line this is the first ever uh in small takes history we've got a caller who uh hails from across the pond but is now living here in the states and has uh has witnessed the uh the u.s soccer fiasco firsthand i think has some opinions to share um maybe some advice from from the other side of the pond so we want to bring on benedict who is uh, calling in from Brooklyn, New York. So, Benedict, how are you doing on this Wednesday night? Yes, hello, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Doing just fine. How are you? Well, I'm fine besides being in this rubbish, rubbish, godforsaken wasteland of a city. 
and country in general as well. Uh, yes. All right. Since you've been here in the States, have you uh, become uh, a little bit of a U.S. soccer fan? What What is your relationship with the U.S. team? Or do you still do you still root for the lads back in England? Well, um, my relationship with the U.S. men's national team, Jeff, is one of persistent vomiting. Um, it, there is really nothing that turns my stomach more than watching these young and in some cases decrepit old men put a foot to a ball in manners that would have a, a, a young schoolboy spanked quite heartily in, um, back, back in the United Kingdom. So Benedict, it sounds like you've developed a little bit of an affinity uh, for the U.S. team, and so I'm, I'm wondering what advice you might have. Well, Jeff, I can only give you the advice that my own native land has used to summit the pinnacle of world soccer, which is burn your capital city to the ground, wait 300 years, and you will win the world title exactly once and then nothing else till the end of time in reality jeff the english men's national team is in almost as dire straits as the united states men's national team we barely qualified last year and were embarrassed at the last world cup and in fact i believe we lost to iceland in uh, the uefa um, it's, it's a sad time for anglo soccer in fact australia might even be uh, eliminated by the Panamanians in a, in a playoff, meaning leaving the English to carry the banner for the those speaking the Queen's English into into Russia this summer. Okay, then, uh, yeah, Bendix, I guess just one more question for you. Moving on from uh, U.S. soccer, how do you think your lads are going to fare in Russia? Do you think the you know what they experienced last World Cup in Brazil is going to you know come back for them? Do you think they'll actually be able to score on penalty kicks and maybe move past the quarterfinal round, you know, reach success, find success in the World Cup. To be honest, Cooper, the idea that we might have to rely on Arsenal players to advance terrifies me. It scares me to no end. The vomiting I spoke of earlier recurs every time I watch the Gunners try to play a game. And to be perfectly honest, it's despicable. I don't. I don't know what's happened to Anglo soccer, but it's nowhere good. Well, especially. Let me, since... Sorry to interrupt, Ben, but just uh, let me remind you that he, you know, Arsenal is coached by a Frenchman. So, I, I don't understand your point there, Cooper. Nor do I intend to dignify your blatant uh, slur of a proud North London team by comparing them. The despicable French, who had to be rescued twice in the last century, need, uh, need I remind you. But the reality is, English soccer is, 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 is wildly upsetting. And in fact, Germany is the hope of the West. Well, Benedict, I think we can share a lot of the same sentiments about our respective soccer programs it's upsetting i hope for all the best for you um and we appreciate your solidarity with with our lads and your lads and we'll is it safe to say that uh we'll we'll see 
the English at the World Cup in 2018? Have they qualified? Yes. Yeah, for the uninitiated stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty safe. Okay. All right. Thanks, Benedict. Appreciate you listening. God save the Queen. Uh, well, that was Benedict. It's cool to see that the small takes has a little bit of a global reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that he's just as pessimistic as uh, as we are towards our sports, team, sports teams. Sports, you might really say, is the universal language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Sure. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we want to introduce a new segment this week. We're going to call this Beta Male, but male spelled M-A-I-L. And we are going to use this segment to answer some reader emails. And so we welcome your emails, first of all. Hit us up. You can DM us on Twitter or Instagram. You can hit us up on Facebook. Send us an email um, about living life in the 21st century as a beta male because uh a hand up uh i am a beta male um and i am proud of it and i would like to use my beta maleness to help other beta males get by so that's what we're gonna try to do here so we have a we have a a note here from a fan yeah we do um says the lifelong beta I was seeking advice on how to hold my own during pickup basketball games. I'm approximately five foot five, 125 pounds. I wear long white socks and N1 basketball shoes. How do I fit in? Best wishes, Doug. Mm. Doug, I have to say this is this is a topic that is near dear to my heart as a beta. Because I love basketball. I love playing pickup basketball, getting out there with the dudes. But it's tough because pickup basketball is a game dominated by alphas. It's a, it's a game that is uh, lends itself to alpha males, one-on-one uh, domination. And when you're beta, it's hard to, to fit in, let alone perform well. So I have some tips. And I want John Cooper, you guys can weigh in too. Um, I don't know if you guys have beta male experience or not, but... <laughs> Feel free to chime in. Uh, first thing you should do, Doug, is establish yourself, especially considering you're a smaller fellow like myself, uh, establish yourself as the guy who brings the ball up the court. And, and then you're automatically also established as the facilitator. So no one expects scoring from you. No one expects you to carry any kind of offensive burden other than facilitating. And so avoid anything but open shots and ideally uh, shots within like three feet of the of the hoop and uh just pass a lot because then you're going to do my second advice which is um win over your teammates quickly so that's a lot of encouragement that's a lot of butt slaps that's a lot of uh a lot of encouragement after a guy maybe misses a couple shots like hey keep shooting i'm gonna keep feeding you i'm gonna keep feeding you keep your head up and that's a good look these are all things that can help you build rapport uh with your teammates um and then the last thing that i'll I'll say for pickup basketball is to get uh very good and familiar with um, the chest tap and the my bad because because inevitably you're going to sail a pass or you're going to be forced into a position where you have to shoot <laughs> uh you're going to miss the the rim altogether and you're going to get exposed on defense and you just simple hey my bad do you guys have any thoughts yeah so i think uh doug my uh the best advice i can give is you got to know yourself you got to know where you are as a beta are you an alpha beta or are you like a beta beta? And where do you fall on that scale? Because I think that 
that's important. Because if you're an alpha beta, then you just got to find betas who are more beta than you. And you'll do fine. That's then you point. don't even worry about it. You ideally want to match up one-on-one -on -one with a, a more beta beta. Yes. You identify that exactly. guy early and you pick him as your man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you Yeah, you just pick on that guy. Um, so I think that's probably just the, that's the most important thing. If you're a beta beta, I got nothing for you because uh, that's, that's more just category. I, I am truly, I am truly a beta's beta. Uh, John, what about you? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think you know, if if moving the ball up the floor is a little too involved for you, I think also being the guy who inbounds the ball that's pretty important. <laughs> that's you know, yeah, important yep. role. Also, uh, maybe think about just uh, checking out of the offensive possession altogether. You know, uh, maybe you just kind of float. Float uh, three or four feet behind the arc, just so you don't get in anyone's way, and then uh, set lots of screens. You can do that too. Yeah, you set, yeah, you set yeah. screens. You cycle. You set off-ball screens, so so it looks like you're constantly doing things, even if guys are ignoring your off-ball screens. Yeah, yes. and then just always find yourself kind of tightly guarded by the defender who's marking you, so then you're never open for a shot, in mm -hmm. which you will miss. Like the uh, big thing too is running back for transition defense when someone's already back. Um, so you're mm -hmm. that you're the extra guy just in case uh, they don't really need you. But uh, you know, you're there for the rebound if it ever actually comes down. Or just ch even yeah. if no one's back, just chasing the you know the one on none fast break back. Then mm -hmm. I mean, even mm -hmm. if you don't get there, it's still it's an effort play that looks good. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's grit. A little bit of quick hustle. Uh -huh. Quick hustle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think these are all good points. Uh, these are all good pieces of advice. That, that really any any beta like myself, um, I know I found myself in many a pickup basketball games surrounded by alphas, not really sure what to do, uh, a little intimidated, especially as an undersized beta, um, which only adds to the to the beta ness. And and I think uh, I think there's ways to navigate around it. So, Doug, we wish you uh, wish you all the best luck in your future pickup games. Let us know how it keeps going. Uh, please email us. Let us know what beta questions you have, um, what things you experience in your everyday life. I know, for personally, um, it's, it's a daily, daily uh, struggle being a beta. But uh, I think together we can we can find ways to cope and find ways to to get by. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right, we'll finish up this episode, which I have no idea how long it has been now because we've done so many different parts, so many different times with the waste of data. Cooper, why don't you get us going? Okay, and just to add to the time, I got two. So, uh, the first one, I don't want to overemphasize it. Bruce Arena said in his post-game press conference that nothing has to change. Uh, wrong answer, after you lose to Trinidad and Tobago 2-1 to one and uh, fall out of the World Cup. I don't have to add anything to that. That's just foolish and stupid. Um, the bigger waste of data is on my drive uh, back to Cincinnati from North Carolina this past weekend. I went down to Charlotte and back in one day. That's uh, 16 hours of driving. That was a blast. Um, listening to West Virginia radio on the way home uh, and found a riveting, I don't know, interpretation of how to really just give a radio broadcast, how to broadcast a football game. Uh, this radio station decided um, that would be really good for its listeners to have three guys give the play-by-play -play while watching the television, you know, while watching the TV version of the TCU no. versus West Virginia game. No uh, it was awesome because they broke the commercials in the middle of, like, 
the fourth quarter when like the drives were on the line and they'd be like, Oh, so uh, welcome back. TCU just scored a touchdown. Um, they are now up by four points. <laughs> gotta be kidding me. Uh, West Virginia now has the ball. Uh, yeah, John, do you want to, uh, how about you give a run, a run through of that last play? And it's just, it was the weirdest thing I've ever listened to. That's um, so it made me feel better that maybe we're not that far off. We Let's could do that for a broadcast. No, I think we should. We Whenever should we record next on a Monday night, we're doing that for Monday Night Football. That's like, sounds like that should be an SNL skit of West Virginia. It was It was almost too perfect. Uh, is, I think John's getting called for dinner. No, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But we're moving on. I heard a little voice there in the background. I mean, that was the ghost. It was probably the ghost that lives in the attic. Right. Um, or the basement, because we have basements in the south. Um, so, yeah, my waste of data is an ESPN piece that um, I forget the guy. I'm not going to dignify the, the, the piece by saying the guy's name. I also don't remember it. Um, but his, his piece was about uh, what the second half of college football is going to look like. And he was like, ha you know, this is definitely what it's going to look like. Like he was going to make a bunch of weird predictions or predictions that were going to be kind of bold based on what had happened in the first half. But in reality, all he did was just recycle his column from the beginning of college football season. USC was going, USC was going to uh, win out and be in the playoff. Uh, Penn State was going to be eh, but not make it. Uh, Saquon Barkley was going to be good, but Penn State was not going to was not going to be good enough. Um, the Big Twelve was going to be so good that it didn't make the playoff, and Clemson was going to stay undefeated and 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 play Alabama in the national championship game. It it was one of the most uninventive, un least inspiring, like just boring things I have ever read. And it was legitimately a waste of my time, and I feel bad for wasting everyone else's time and talking about it. Um, I feel like we've all just lost part of our lives that we will never get back. I feel like that's how most of our listeners feel if and when they actually finish the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> on the rare, On the rare occasion, someone gets through a whole episode <laughs> of all the small takes. Oh, gosh. No, this has been good. Uh, my Waste of Data is Major League Baseball for scheduling every single, all of the many four Red Sox postseason games uh, in the afternoon. And the three of those were on weekdays. So that means that working stiffs like myself have to like put an earpiece in at their desk because like bad optics if you've got the game on your desk monitor in, in, the, in, the, in an office. So uh, did not get the chance to watch I watched probably in total like a third of the innings of the Red Sox. Very brief playoff stint. So very frustrating along with the outcome of the series, which was also very frustrating. So Major League Baseball did not make it any easier for me to stomach this Red Sox postseason disappointment. If you're a real fan, you just watch them on YouTube. Three plus. <laughs> you mean if I like torturing myself like you do? Yeah. <laughs> It's supposed to replay of a baseball game on YouTube. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, hey, John Farrell got fired. He did. Um, and also, I have better things to do with four and a half hours of my life than watch a baseball game on YouTube. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it hurts because it's true. <laughs> the truth hurts. All right, that's the show for the week. Thank you guys for tuning in and bearing with us. Uh, 
we've been trying a lot of new segments lately. We hope you like them. If you have feedback or suggestions, or uh, especially if you have beta mail for us, so we're gonna make that uh, a recurring segment. We're gonna try to do that uh, every week if we can. So hit us up on the social media sites we mentioned. Hit us up on our website and check out uh, the podcast out there as well as the blog posts. And uh, we appreciate you listening. So we'll be back uh, next week. Nope.